the Foreign Desk with Lisa Deftari. I wanted to give you a quick recap on the first presidential debate before we get into today's topic, which actually was one of the main subjects talked about on the debate stage, and that's law enforcement, the protests, and the current state of the country. My take, the debate was shallow, loud, devoid of any substance, and exactly and perfectly indicative of where we are right now as a country. It was chaotic, it was presumptive, it was emotional, again, reflective of the times. Was I disappointed? Sure I was, but I wasn't surprised. We're living in a time where the president is guilty until proven innocent. Did he interrupt? Did he act defensively? Sure he did. But he was dead on arrival. He has been since he was elected. And people's feelings about him overshadow shadow their ability to give him any credit for anything. I mean, surely in the last three and a half years, he must have done something that's right. Do I think he's perfect? No, call him out on it. But he can't always be wrong. So we have a generation of overly sensitive, overly entitled snowflakes who are leading the charge against him, against our law enforcement, and basically anyone in the position of authority is bad. Our country, bad. Our flag, bad. Our national anthem, bad. Our history, very bad. Just an overwhelming amount of guilt about the history of this nation felt by those who didn't live through it and are not willing to look past it. Doesn't every country have its dark years, history that they're not proud of? Are they going through the world knocking down every statue, destroying museums, kneeling at soccer or rugby games, renaming teams and popular food items? They're canceling anything they don't agree with and not giving any chances to anyone or anything. It's not about free speech or free choice. It's about shutting out and canceling anything that doesn't fit into their ironically narrow scope that they've created. I say ironic because they pride themselves on being tolerant, open-minded, all-encompassing. No one is as myopic. No one is as unforgiving or as hateful. The sad part about this hatred and disdain for our country is that it doesn't start or end with the term of this president, whether that comes in January or in four years. What this segment of the country doesn't get is that their actions have serious repercussions and it's gonna trickle into all parts of life. Hatred for the president, for law enforcement, for authority will translate into disrespect for principals and teachers and parents and neighbors. Chaos, yes, chaos. The debates were just a snippet of what has been and what will be for the foreseeable future. To talk about this and more on the state of crime and violence, and of course, defunding the police, we have with us Jonathan Gillum, Navy SEAL, FBI Special Agent, Federal Air Marshal, and not to mention, radio and TV superstar. Just an overall amazing person that I have the uh, pleasure of welcoming to the show. Thank you, Jonathan, for being with us. You got it. And I miss uh, hosting that late night David Webb show and always having you on there to talk about national security. Those, talk of I don't know if you realize that, that things have changed since that time. I mean, we when we were there and the media in 2015, uh, leading up to 2016, they really were looking for experts to give analysis. And now they really don't even look for that in media at all because it's just simply echo chambers. That's all. Oh, absolutely. And you know what? Maybe we'll start there. I actually, I just want to get into all of this and unpack it. But, you know, let, taking a look at your own background, you know, you're in the military, you were obviously in the military, always a person who has served his country and served it well, whether it was uh, as a Navy SEAL or in the FBI or 
being that television or radio voice to really set the, the record straight. I mean, um, why do you think, let me start with what you said. I mean, I look back to that time as well, um, living in New York City and, you know, being able to walk the streets late at night, being able to come on to the David Webb show and literally get home at midnight and not be scared. And obviously, we both know that New York City is not that anymore. Um, how did we get here? Well, you know, it's interesting. When I was in the FBI, I didn't see a lot of things that were going on with uh, the social change that was happening. I mean, we, I was frustrated like everybody else, but I left in 2013. And people in government, and I have this discussion with people all the time, still in the Bureau, they, you know, when you're in the government, you're told what to do, and you have a mission, and you're mission-oriented. And so you don't question a lot of stuff, and things go right over your head. Like for instance, a lot of the guys uh, that I work with just, they thought that Comey was the greatest thing since sliced bread. After working for Mueller, everybody thought Comey was great, but it was a lie. He, he's a liar. And the whole uh, perceptor persona that he put out there was a lie. And he is a part of this whole uh, thing that has happened uh, where it's existed before the deep state existed, but it was covert. And so uh, the same thing goes for freedom for people who aren't in government is that they uh, they just they're so free. They go work. They do whatever they want. And their whole life is consumed by what is best in their life or what's not working. And they don't none of these people realize that a subversive movement has been going on for literally, uh, I would say, more than 50 years, maybe even 100 years uh, all the way back uh, to Marx. Marx, when he worked for the New York Times as a foreign correspondent, mm -hmm. um, you know, they were already making and maneuvering this communistic type ideology into this great thing that we had in this nation. And as we progressed on, it really did. I think people are very surprised when they find out it goes back that far. But what happened, I think, was as technology uh, moved forward and uh, television uh, came on board, it it became easier to subvert a country without the use of weapons, without the use of spies. They just simply convince people through the use of media. And, uh, and then once they got enough politicians, then they could, and, and big money donors, uh, they literally could make whatever image they want. Uh, you take the, de the department of education as well and literally indoctrinate people over 50 years or more. And so I, I kind of take it from back when we went from the Department of War to, or to, yeah, from the Department of War to the Department of Defense. That was in around 47. So things really started to change then. Now, fast forward, I know it's a long answer, but fast forward from there. And what you have is exponentially faster indoctrination now that we have right. social media and somebody can click something or post something and it can change their perspective of what's happening uh, because the fake information is so close to truth that uh, people can be deceived. There was a commercial for CNN a while back where they had a banana on there and they said, this is not an apple, this is a banana, but other people will tell you that this is an apple and that's a lie. But see, the, the actual lie that CNN, it's funny that they use that because the actual lie is not that this is a banana when it's an apple. Everybody knows the difference between a banana and an apple, but they may not know the difference between a red Fuji apple and a red delicious apple. And see, yeah. that's where the lie, that's how they manipulate the truth is they get it that close. And once they have you angry and on this one side, 
then they can continue to feed that and divide. And so what they've done and where we're at now is that people think that every single thing is either left or it's right. Right. Exactly. You, but go ahead. Yeah, you know what? No, because you said a hundred years, I just, you know, I'm thinking back to 9-11, 20 years ago almost. And, you know, right now a pandemic hit back then it was terrorists i mean we're, we're talking about national security we're truly talking about the state of this nation why is it that back then there there wasn't as much i mean there was much more unity you wouldn't have as much of a difference between a fox news and an msnbc we were attacked this is how we're going to deal with it uh and perhaps they didn't like the the president that was in the white house at the time right but it, it wasn't like they were going to go to al-qaeda over President Bush, right now, it's like our enemies are favored and trusted more than the guy in the White House. Well, it's very interesting you say that because th this is the reality of how we got here is that the Democrats are obviously the subversive group that is maneuvering to change the entire structure of this government. But the Republican Party, both private entities, they're not government entities, the Republican Party itself and I want people to realize, I'm not talking about the people that vote Republican. They are the conservatives, the constitutionalists, but they have to realize that these executives in the Republican Party are the ones that have allowed this to happen because right. they don't see the Democrat Party has classes. Uh, if they don't, if people don't like something, they, they pay for buses to get people there. They actively teach people how to protest mm -hmm. and, and they actively work the street uh, to get people to believe what they believe. The Republican Party does none of that. That's not what they're about. They're simply about getting people uh, in office that are, that are Republicans. Many of them may or may not be actual conservatives. So where we're at now and how it came from 9-11 to this is one of the reasons is because the Republicans helped develop this social media platform which is now was utilized was created in Silicon Valley, and you see with Cambridge Analytica, and you know who was involved with that. Um, I mean, that was a Steve Bannon project, and so that didn't just feed into the Republican Party. The Democrat Party used that as well, and now here, what we have is uh, they have a whole process of how they convince people with a click, and the Republicans mm -hmm. aren't aren't educating the people on reality of what's happening and the people exactly on the right are just right. lost. No, exactly right. And I think, you know, the, the debates were a good, in, you know, it was like a reminder of how far we've come and how, how easily uh, people have been brainwashed to use these buzzwords and phrases about our country and about, you know, social justice movements and about systemic racism. I want to play some sound from uh, the debate. This is Chris Wallace asking uh, Joe Biden a question about racism. Take a listen. I want, to, I want to return to the question of race. Vice President Biden, after the grand jury in the Brianna Biden, after the grand jury in the Brianna Taylor case, decided not to charge any of the police with homicide, you said it raises the question, quote, whether justice could be equally applied in America. Do you believe that there is a separate but unequal system of justice for blacks in this country? Now, <laughs> you're shaking your head already. Go yeah. for it. Tell me what you think. So that he, you know, Chris Wallace is a leftist and a, the absolute worst moderator in the history of presidential debate and well, how did, I mean, you and I both know him from Fox News I I personally was very surprised and I'll tell you it's because you know um you know at, at Fox it's it's you know it, 
most people uh, maintain uh, anchors for the most part, unless they're later at night. But yeah. most anchors keep their journalistic integrity, uh, particularly on a Sunday morning, mm -hmm. uh, particularly when they want to establish themselves. And I, I'll be more specific, particularly Chris Wallace, who has always wanted to establish himself as you know the journalist of our times, the Walter Cronkite of our times. Mm -hmm. And for him to overstep the way that he obviously did, I mean, where did that come from? Well, I, I listen, I, I, I don't think that people can can contain their true colors. You know, there's a difference between this is what's great about being a true constitutionalist. I am. There is no left or right for me. It's the Constitution. If it doesn't fit the Constitution, then I, I'm, not, I'm not interested in it. And if something's broken, the first thing I look to is the Constitution. Can we okay. fix this in a way without violating the Constitution? And uh, people like Chris Wallace, uh, who is no Walter Cronkite, who was also a leftist, <laughs> by the way. Chris Wallace um, is someone that if you go back and you look at what he said in the past, it always has a tinge of the left. And the problem with Chris Wallace now is like everybody else. They are so on edge and they're so in love with the Democrat Party in this movement, they can't hide it. And so Joe, uh, Chris Wallace, when he asked, here's the biggest thing that came out of that debate. It's not the arguing was so uh, profound that I had to go back and listen right. uh, context. Like these things were not in a row and I was listening to these sound bites, And that's when I really discovered how much the president actually answered, how much Joe it Biden didn't and what these questions that Chris Wallace was asking, you know, he never talked about or asked questions about the reality of who's tearing down this. He didn't ask about subversion. He didn't ask about communism. And he perpetuated this belief that the that the United States is uh, the worst place in the world for black people to live. Yeah. How, so let's 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 focus on that for a moment. I mean, you were inside the FBI, you know, the, the uh, you know, uh, police system very well. And you're from you know, you've lived in New York City. I mean, is there systemic racism? Well, the way they talk about systemic racism has nothing to do with uh, law enforcement. They talk about how it permeates society and how everybody just walks around looking at uh, people of color, whether it be black or brown, as though they're just lesser people. That's just not, it's absolutely not true. What we have, uh, the, the real systemic problem is the inner city. And the inner city is 100% controlled by Democrat uh, city uh, organizers and uh, and activists and in most places, politicians. And the law enforcement problem that they have is that uh, it's dangerous, it's very violent in the inner city. And so law enforcement, uh, because they have not, uh, they have fallen under the same uh, ideological control of the Democrat party. Uh, many of these chiefs and sheriffs are very far left. And what's called institutional inbreeding, which comes from a good friend of mine, Pat McNamara, who's special forces guy, he talks about this. Law enforcement has developed these tactics that are based on the worst possible scenario. And in the inner city, that's death. So people get treated very aggressively in the inner city by police because the inner city treats police with zero respect and there can be violence at any second. That spills out into the rest of law enforcement. And so this cyclical thing happens. And ultimately the systemic problem is the inner city. And that's where the, all these perceptions come from. 
Chicago, the death rate, the violence rate, the black on black crime, the children out of wedlock. The, I've, I've talked to cops. I've seen it myself. You walk into one of these homes in the inner city, there are, they have multiple children. When they uh, you know, use the restroom in their diaper, that diaper goes on the ground wherever it came off. It's filthy. Right. And that is the way it exists there. So it's not whether cops are killing massive amounts of black people that are unarmed. That's absolutely not true. And just like all the lies that Joe Biden taught, uh, said or the, the questions that Chris Wallace asked, nothing that the Democrat Party, uh, and really the Republican Party either, nothing anybody does is going to clean up the inner city. The inner city is going to have to clean up itself. And quite frankly, I don't see that happening because it's not useful for uh, any of these politicians. Yeah, but, you know, the question then becomes timing, right? Why, why is it that it looks like all of this racism suddenly poured out now? I mean, we had eight years of a black president. You know, I, I was listening to Michelle Obama at the DNC talk about systemic racism. And I just I wanted to just get into her ear and say, but we had eight years of a black family in the White House. Aren't we past that? And to your point. This is happening in the inner city where we do have diversity, where we do have, you know, who's a race? I mean, we're not talking about middle America where you typically had, you know, the, the again, prototypical, um, you know, redneck, you know, the, the, the people who had no tolerance for anything but the white Aryan race, et cetera. I mean, how, how, how can they answer to the fact that there has been so much diversity? Is it because they're blaming it all on this president? Well, I don't, it's not that they're blaming it on the president. What the reality is, is that you've had um, throughout the years, uh, the left has moved very slow. That's why Nancy Pelosi, you know, all these other people that have been in government for 40. Uh, I mean, uh, Joe Biden's a perfect example. They moved. Mm -hmm. They're just as far left in their thinking. But it was the pace at which they at which they moved to the left is a snail's pace because they're playing the long game that has changed with. Uh, when Trump came into office, combined with these other politicians and loudmouth uh, Hollywood uh, people and the big money people and social media. So what happened is the president came into office. They saw once Hillary Clinton did not get elected that they had to act. And I don't know if it was uh, if it was um, uh, subconscious or what, but on a massive scale, they started going at a rapid pace. And that's the only thing that's really changed is the pace, not the belief system, the pace. And so now the, the whole fraud of, uh, of the systemic racism has come out and now they have somehow convinced all these people, half the country, that this systemic racism is so bad, that the country is so bad, that we're that uh, that it's just falling apart. And then, you know, if you're a minority, which I'm still not exactly clear on what that means, because in the, yeah. in the place where you're free, freedom doesn't look at individuals and their skin color. It right. looks at human being in the soul and says, you are free and I'm going to make sure that happens. Oh, absolutely. And I've always said this, and I, I hope anywhere that I've gone, it's because of my own merit and not because I'm a female or because I'm right. Middle Eastern or because of anything else. I mean, we're only moving backwards with regards to that notion. Now, I want to get into uh, something else that is quite important right now. You know, they connect the dots, as you said. They start with the notion of uh, systemic racism, police bad, law enforcement bad, and now they come, they arrive to their own conclusion that police need to be defunded. I want to 
have you take a listen to, again, Chris Wallace's question regarding defunding the police at the debate. Take a listen. I, I do want to talk about this issue of law and order, though. And in the joint recommendation that came from the Biden-Bernie Sanders task force, you talked about, quote, reimagining policing. Yeah. First of all, what does reimagining policing mean? And do you support it means uh, uh, let me if I might finish the question, what does reimagining policing mean? And do you support the Black Lives Matter uh, call for uh, for community control of policing? He says again, you're shaking your head. I know as we're he says community control over the police. Why doesn't he just come out and say defunding the police? He so gingerly tries to wrap this as nicely as possible and give him like an underhanded pitch so he could hit it out of the park. I mean, right. come on. Because they use keywords, uh, keywords that have been specifically chosen as not to offend uh, the, the population. When I mean offends, not, I don't mean like they're aghast, but so that they can uh, present this in a way that is a, um, a, a, a chocolate covered scorpion, you know, yeah, they, exactly. you're handing this to you say, Oh, look, it's chocolate. It looks like a scorpion. It's just chocolate. And then you get stung by it. And that's what people, I just came up with that by the way, cause I'm in Arizona. That's a good one. Real good. one. <laughs> that's what they're doing. And so they use these keywords. You see it in the department of education all the time in the way that they're indoctrinating people. And if they were to call it what it is, the parents would just lose it. And so in this case, he's talking about, a, a, a communistic type view of law enforcement where, you know, it's not the, the police. First of all, it, the, the people are expected, they're, they're, they're acting like people are just going to be uh, magically transformed into uh, when a psychologist walks up and says, listen, I know you're angry. Let's talk about this. I mean, that's not the way it works. You talk to most cops in these, especially like domestic situations. You could get shot in those situations. Mm -hmm. You go and where there's drug dealers, you're not going to talk to drug dealers about, I know it's hard and I know, let us work with, they're going to shoot you. And so th this whole nonsense that they've come up with about community involved policing for one, we can see in the inner city that the communities do not police themselves. Mm -hmm. We can, that uh, it, it, when violence is allowed, violence will spread, violence and chaos. And so ultimately, here's what you got to realize is that what they're pushing forward and what Chris Wallace is pushing forward is chaos because they believe, you got to remember, exactly. belief is that, uh, that through chaos will come a synthesis where people are become one. And that's, that's what they truly believe. And when you look at what they're trying to do, they're trying to cause chaos in the country. Now, you know, we've, it's, not even a, it's not even a hypothetical. We've seen it happen in Seattle, in Portland. I mean, have they not learned their lessons? Why do they keep pushing forward on the same notion that this is going to be a good thing? Because it's that th this is just the birthing pains that we haven't right. seen anything yet. And I, and you can look at all around the world. You can look at Cuba, Venezuela, you can look at China, you can look at all these different Russia. You can look wherever this stuff has occurred, right. uh, wherever the communist movement has got in there, they follow the same pattern and somehow magically they're always able, like in Poland, for instance, uh, when that turned communist for or socialist, uh, which is no difference really, but they go through these birthing pains and people little, literally believe mm -hmm. that, that things are going to be better and free. And the most dangerous part of all that, speaking of law enforcement, is when right. 
law enforcement officers know that something's wrong, but they want to protect their pension and they don't want to lose their job. And they be end up becoming the henchmen very quickly for these uh, leftists in government. I mean, what are the far reaching, and we have to wrap up with this, but, you know, I, I just want to leave people with, you know, some sense of, you know, what our options are for the future. I don't think the average American looks at the at the state of this nation and thinks, okay, it's a good thing. We're fighting for what's right and we're 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 making changes that are productive and positive for our children and for the next generation. I mean, what would what in terms of law enforcement, in terms of law and order, in terms of national security on our streets? We're not talking about ISIS anymore or Iran's nuclear uh, weapons program. We're actually talking about our own streets with regards to national security. I mean, what would a Biden presidency look like and what would four more years of a Trump presidency look like? OK, so first of all, isn't it interesting how ISIS and Iran's irrelevant now? It's not even yeah, not absolutely. even it didn't even come up. It didn't come up. At the, I mean, we're waiting for foreign policy. It didn't yeah. even come up. It's not even close to being what's actually the most destructive thing for this nation. Um, before I say uh, real quick about Biden and Trump presidency, let me just tell you this. I've been tra traveling all over the country. I took it upon myself to get in my RV and go because of the COVID, everything shut down. So I took it upon myself to go around this country wherever I can meet with a group of people. Anybody can ask me. I come there. I sit down and we talk about the reality, what's going on, what the potential is and how you prepare for it. And it is shocking to me how organized the Democrat and the left, uh, communist left in this country, how organized they are and how disorganized the conservatives, constitutionalists. Who's organizing them, though? Who's organizing them? I mean, that's a, that's a whole another discussion. But real yeah. quick, who's organizing them? Well, they've been, or the Democrat Party is organizing. The Democrat Party is ultimately, look at Black Lives Matter money, goes straight into Democrat Party. So ultimately, if you are liberal and you vote Democrat, there is a system where they have in place of indoctrination and organization. And they have money. They have, that's how they ship people from city to city. I know people work for the airlines. They mm -hmm. see Antifa people on the airplane all the time going from one riot to the next. I know people who've been to these riots. They're or, they have medics. They have security people, they wear bands, and they see the same people from one to the next. They're organized. Um, the, the problem is it, Trump gets reelected. Um, nothing is really going to change in the Republican Party because the Republican Party doesn't really care about organizing it. If, the, if Biden gets elected, uh, the Democrats are going to go into overdrive, and we're, I think we're going to see this, this communistic type of an ideological movement go at at ballistic speed, if Trump gets uh, elected, reelected, it's going to be more violence. And ultimately, here's the biggest thing to take away from this. The people have to start talking to your neighbors, to your friends, to whatever groups you belong to and saying, this is real. This is not a joke. It's real. And it's only going to get worse. It's going to spread into the rural areas. And then you're going to be left uh, with no plan of action, no ability to stand together, and it will be as simple as putting pressure, and the Dem and the Democrats and the left will be able to just take right over. I already see that happening. We'll have to leave it there, but thank you so much, Jonathan. We will definitely have to have you back to you talk it. more about all of this and the state of our nation. Jonathan Gillum, thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. Okay, thank you for having me.